Hello once again. Good morning. My name is Jeff, one of the elders here at the church. Today we're going to be preaching through Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 15. So Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 15. If you would go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, please. If you, didn't, if you don't have a Bible, if you happen to have forgotten it at home, you can use one of the Bibles in front of you. It'll be page 860. It'll be there as well as on the screen as usual. Uh, while you're doing that, while you're turning there, if you would also notice the Connect cards that are there in front of you, our desire would be that everyone would fill out a Connect card. Members, regular attenders, visitors, those cards are there so we know how we might be able to pray for you or even serve you uh, in the most recent of times. So uh, please fill one of those out. You can drop them in the baskets or the boxes up here by the window or by the box by the resource wall as well. The resource wall, all of those books are free. We want you to take those books. They're there to help us understand the scripture. The more we know of Christ, the greater love we will have for Christ. That's why we give those books away. Today we have Chris Motes who's going to be preaching for us. Chris is the local area director of Young Life as well as a faithful servant here at Maranatha and a dear friend of mine. So uh, he's going to be preaching for us. But if you would, stand with us in reverence of God's word while, again, I read Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 15. It says this, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, out of the Cyrenians... And of the Alexandrians and of those from Sicilia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witness who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Good morning. I am so excited to get to share with you guys today. It is an honor to be up here, but I think in order to understand this passage well, you should also know where my heart's at. Uh, I feel a little unqualified to be up here. If I'm being honest, I feel like I should be holier in order to be up here and share the word. At times this week, I felt maybe I should be older. Maybe I should have the title of pastor in order to be up here. But more often than not, I've just thought about my life, and I would have never expected to have the opportunity to preach, and I would never be qualified. But what I also know is that I have the Holy Spirit in me, and that Holy Spirit is alive, and it's active, and it's going to do some awesome stuff. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your Spirit in me. Thank you for your Spirit that you've gifted us that's in the members of this church God, thank you for the spirit that you have allowed to work through generation through generation. I pray that your word would reign supreme and that everything else not of you would just fall away. Allow what we hear this morning to affect how we view you in a positive way. Amen. All right, let's jump in. Verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among all the people. So if you remember from Kyle's sermon last week, we learned that Stephen has recently become a deacon. So maybe if you read this, you could read this as Stephen is feeling like a hotshot. 
He's ready to show off the fact that he has this new title. He's high up in the church ranks. And now he's going to do some signs and wonders and show what he's made of. Maybe. We'll see if that's what's happening here. Verse 9. Stephen is now faced with those who belong to the synagogue. So religious elite. They're from all over the place, including Cilicia and Asia. And they rose up and disputed with Stephen. So they rose up members from the different synagogues of the community to argue with Stephen. That's what it means, dispute there. They were ready to argue with Stephen after he performed these signs and wonders. So Stephen goes from this hot shot, maybe showing what he's made of, but now he faces serious opposition, the religious elite. And we know, since it says those from Cilicia, that Saul of Tarsus is present here. He's from Tarsus, which is the capital of Cilicia. And we also know from later on in Acts that this is actually how Saul comes into the frame, and then ultimately will become Paul. So he doesn't just face some religious people that know a thing or two. He is facing the elite. Stephen here is facing the elite. So he must be in trouble. If he's moving forward and he's arrogant and he's ready to show what he's made of, he has faced his opposition, some people who really know what they're talking about. But in verse 10, they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen was speaking. So in summary, we see some signs and wonders. We see that the religious elite come up against him. And then what happens? They could not withstand the spirit and the wisdom. It wasn't his own wisdom, but it was the spirit. And this is important, so we're going to dive into it. We see in Acts 6, verse 5, and by the way, I'm going to have some random, may feel random verses that I'm going to shout out. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write them down so you can read them throughout the week. But chapter 6, verse 5 They chose Stephen when they were electing the deacons. He was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. They didn't choose him because he was awesome or he looked really good or he really knew stuff. They chose him because of the Holy Spirit in him. This is not because he was so great, but it's because of the overflow of the Holy Spirit in Stephen. Stephen did not fail against the religious elite because he had the Spirit in him. We know that without the Spirit, man is unqualified. So we know here Stephen is qualified because he has the Holy Spirit in him. And we know that he must be devoted to the Spirit. He isn't just half in. He has to be fully devoted to the Holy Spirit in order to face off against these religious elite. This reminds me of the Screwtape Letters, a book written by C.S. Lewis that's close to this church's heart. They read it at the foundation of the church and studied it. It is a dialogue between what maybe the demonic world would say to Christians to try to get Christians to fail, to try to get them to fall away from the Lord. So when we're reading this text, this is from the perspective of a demon speaking to another demon, trying to prevent a Christian from thriving in his faith. In the book, it says, talk to him about moderation in all things. Talk to the Christian about moderation. If you can get him once to the point of thinking that religion is all very well, up to a point, you can feel quite happy about his soul. A moderated religion is as good for the demonic world as no religion at all, and more amusing. So it would have been pretty amusing to the demonic world if Stephen failed here. It would have been hilarious, and their cause would have been promoted. But Stephen did not fail here, and he didn't fail here because he had the Holy Spirit in him, and he was fully committed to the Spirit. This reminds me, of a Blue Jackets game I went to, of course. You're all thinking, how is he going to talk about the Blue Jackets this morning? Well, this is how. I uh, 
was going to get married, and I went to a bachelor party for myself, and they surprised me by going to a Blue Jackets game. And I do love the jackets, so I was pumped, threw on my jersey, went to the stadium, but then one of my friends said, I have tickets, so then you can go into the VIP section, and you can get free food, and you can be really close to the ice. So I was pumped. My friend and I, we went down, we ate some food, and the game started, and we realized we need to get to our seats fast. So we see an aisleway that looks like it's leading to some seats, and we go out there, and lo and behold, we are standing on the ice. We are basically in the penalty box. And our thought wasn't, oh, maybe we shouldn't be here. The thought was, this is awesome. Let's stay here as long as we can. So we're watching as skaters are going by crazy speeds. And we're watching them slam into the ice, and we're having a blast. Until the Fox Sports announcer walks up with his microphone and with the camera. Obviously, we're in the press box, and we should not be there. So thinking real quick, how am I going to get myself out of this situation? Realize I'm wearing a jersey. And I say, hey, man. I think you're in the wrong place because you must be looking for a player. And I know I may look it, but I'm actually not on the team. And then thankfully he laughed, I laughed, and then I ran. <laughs> and I was gone, no trouble, but hey, I live to see and tell the tale. But this reminds me of Stephen because if I were asked to go skate on the ice because I was wearing a jersey, if he wasn't happy with my joke and said, why don't you prove yourself that you can play hockey? I would have fallen and broken my kneecaps because I have never successfully skated on ice. If he would have asked me, hey, go hit a slap shot against the goalie and score a goal, I would miss horribly because I've never dedicated any amount of time to the sport of hockey. But you know who has? The hockey players who've earned the jerseys that they're wearing. I, by wearing the jersey, did not become a hockey player and then earn the right to be on the ice. Stephen, because he's a recently elected deacon, did not earn the Holy Spirit. It was his faith in Christ that earned him the Holy Spirit. He did not just have the deacon title and now he's able to do these great signs and wonders. He got the title because he had the Holy Spirit in him. So Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, not because he was a deacon, but because of his faith in Christ. And without the Spirit, we can expect that much like me on the ice, he would have fallen flat on his face. But something else to keep in mind is that the title of deacon was meant to serve the community, not necessarily to preach the word. And he didn't let that stop him. He didn't let the fact that he wasn't an apostle stop him from preaching like one. So what qualified Stephen? His spirit alone. When we hear Acts in the book of Acts of these wonderful Christians, don't think of how wonderful they are. Think about how wonderful the Holy Spirit is acting through them. And I ask you guys this morning, do you know that you can have that same Holy Spirit in you? Maybe that sounds pretty uh, common. Maybe that sounds like that's pretty nonsense. Of course I know that the Holy Spirit can be in me. But do you know that you can have everlasting life in Jesus Christ? If you know that, then give your life to him, and that's how you get the Holy Spirit. It's a gift, not something to be overlooked. If you want peace amidst trials, then you want the Holy Spirit in you, and that's a gift of faith in Christ. If you believe God is real and that he's almighty, then give your life to Jesus, and he will gift you with the Spirit, and you will not be alone ever again. So I want you to consider this morning, is my faith true? Do I have the Spirit in me? Because if not, that might be why you don't feel the Spirit in you. But there might be other reasons. Maybe you're a believer, but you don't really feel the presence of the Spirit, or you don't feel like you exhibit the Spirit. It could be because you're not in awe 
of how incredible the Holy Spirit is. And my favorite verse in the Bible, 2 Timothy 1.7, says that for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. That is what's in you. It's not some whimsical spirit that we talk about on Sunday mornings. It is a powerful force that is in the believer. And he gives you all that you need to do good works. He does not leave you alone. Maybe you don't see the spirits work through your life because you take a different title as higher than that of Christian. I really hope you have wonderful lives and families and you really love what you get to do. But if it is not a platform to share Jesus, then you're missing out and it's all rubbish. We get to have faith in Christ and we're gifted with the Holy Spirit and we get to do things with joy because of the Spirit, not because of the things we've earned on this planet. So, Stephen, it's pretty awesome, but it's because he's full of grace and power, which are not his own, but that of the Holy Spirit. And that is important when we're moving on to this next section and next week's sermon. So we're going to jump to verse 11. Then they, so the religious elite, secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. So the elite are salty. (laughs) They're pretty upset. They want to make sure that Stephen does not win this battle, so they're going to rally the troops. In verse 12, we see that the elite stirred up the people, and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. So now Stephen who's doing some awesome things and is having a pretty cool moment in the Bible right here, has a very dangerous situation. The religious elite are up against him, and there's a quite a large number of them. Verse 13, they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. So the antagonizers went from lying, about Stephen said, to now completely trying to misconstrue the words that he said, which is more dangerous, to twist somebody's word than to just lie about them. But these events resemble that of what Jesus went through himself. This is not a coincidence that Stephen is going through these things in the manner in which he is. So we're going to dive into the book of Mark, chapter 14, which is right after Jesus was arrested and he's about to get crucified. Mark 14, starting verse 53 says, And they led Jesus to the high priest. And all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. Jesus was seized, put before the religious elite, and false witnesses were brought up against him. This is not a coincidence. And we see this happen with Stephen, who was seized, put before the religious elite, and had false witness bore against him. Not only that, but it's pretty specific what he's accused of. We see that he's accused of saying, Stephen that is, that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. Well, let's look at the next section of Mark 14. Same interaction. And some stood up and bore false witness again against him, saying, we have heard him say, I will destroy this temple 
that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Jesus gets this claim against him that he would destroy the temple. This is exactly what Moses, or sorry, Stephen was claimed of and of blaspheming against Moses. So is this true? Did Jesus really say he was going to destroy the temple? Also, does it matter if he actually said it or not? These are the religious elite. Who cares? They're often uh, the bad guys in the Bible. But I think it's worth diving into, and you'll see why. So we're about to jump around some more scripture, so bear with me. It's going to be worth it. We find out from Jesus' early interactions that he was in the temple, and he was casting out money changers because he called it his father's house. So Jesus knew that this place was a holy place. Would he ever say anything against the temple then? After seeing what he had done in the temple, the Jews said to him, in John 2, verses 18 through 19, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So I guess we're done. I guess he did talk about the destruction of the temple. It's over. I guess the religious elite were right, if you stopped reading there. In verse 20, the Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So why does all this matter? First of all, we need to understand the perspective of the religious elites. This is horribly offensive to talk about the destruction of the temple. Back then, the temple in Jerusalem was where the Holy of Holies was, the presence of God. It's where sacrifices were made so that you could be made holy. It was where you went to be in the presence of the God of the universe. And to claim to destroy it is not only heretical, but it is also so painful for these believers that their God in the temple would be destroyed. So to be misunderstood, it would make sense that they would believe this. And that is why the crowd around Stephen and the crowd around Jesus could be so upset. But the second reason it's important to dive into this is that Jesus did not destroy the temple. I don't know if you've read somewhere in the Bible where Jesus has an ax and he's just slicing through the temple. If you have read that, then you're reading something different. Jesus did not do that. What he did was he destroyed his bodily temple on the cross through crucifixion. He was the sacrifice just like they had to sacrifice in the temple. He is the direct line to the Father instead of you having to go to a physical body. We no longer have to go to a building to sacrifice. We have Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. That is what we have. That is all you need. And he is the new temple. So we get to celebrate with Stephen. Not only do we get to celebrate that he preached the good news, and that is something to celebrate, that he was telling all these people and the religious elite, stop worshiping this temple because Jesus has come and he has fulfilled all of its requirements. But we also get to celebrate with Stephen because he suffered just like an apostle. We see in Acts 5, verses 40 through 41, that the apostles had been called and then they were beaten and then they were charged not to speak in the name of Jesus. But then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Stephen 
in this moment, both preached truth, but also suffered for it, and we can celebrate both. So what is your reaction to this? Is your reaction that, this is pretty cool, Chris. Thanks for sharing this story. Uh, The book of Acts is pretty awesome. Or do you realize that the same Holy Spirit that was in Stephen is in you? Do you realize that you now can face trials and tribulations because of the Holy Spirit? And do you also celebrate with Stephen that he was considered able, he was able to suffer for what Jesus had suffered for, for the false accusations. He suffered like Christ, and we get to suffer with him. So although Stephen is a newly elected deacon, he does not let that title prevent him from doing what he needs to do and share truth to those who are sharing falsehoods. He's meant to serve the community through actions, but he's also serving the community through his speech. He could have felt that he was too young, that he had been just recently elected a deacon. Maybe I'm not the guy for this job. But when the rubber hit the road, he did it. And instead of thinking that he could do it on his own accord, we see that the Holy Spirit worked through him. Stephen went to trial, just like Jesus did, at the hands of the religious elite. And this happened only because he had the Holy Spirit in him. So we know that not only is the Spirit a gift, but also now we can suffer the same trials that Stephen did just because we have the Spirit in us. Going on to verse 15. And the religious elite were gazing at him. All who sat in the council saw that his face was like that of an angel. All who sat in the council saw that Stephen looks like that of an angel. And this is a direct allusion to Moses in Exodus 34, verses 29 through 33. And this is not a coincidence. He was accused of blaspheming Moses, and here he is looking like Moses. Because Moses received the Ten Commandments, and he had spent time with God the Father. After he received the Ten Commandments, he went down from the mountain, and he was with his people. And his people were terrified because his face shone. It shone like an angel. And they were so terrified, he had to put a veil over his face to cover the fact that he had been with the Father. So we don't think Stephen here was literally shining like a light, but we know that the terminology here used in Acts is to point us to what happened with Moses in Exodus. I think a more accurate description of how he would have looked in that day is found in Psalm 34, verses 4 through 7. And I'll just throw this out there. I would encourage you to meditate on this scripture throughout this week, what this means for you, what this means for your walk. I've started spending time meditating on Psalms, and it can change your heart and change your perspective. Listen to the truth. Psalm 34. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Because Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, he shone like an angel. And this isn't a visible light, but this is seen when he shows that he has serenity. He has peace amidst trials. This is shown that he has security that he doesn't need to change his story just because he's challenged by people who may have more experience than him. And this shows that he is unmovable. And this is not because of Stephen. 
This is because of the Holy Spirit's power making him unmovable. So imagine the council. They've faced off with him. They brought their best people to come fight him. And they see him shine like an angel. Throughout this entire interaction, it's doubtful that they really took in what Stephen had to say about the new law, the new requirements of faith. So they became onlookers to God's glory rather than partakers of God's glory. And I'm not so sure, but Stephen may not have been ready for this. He may not have been ready for the events that are to come in Acts as well, but here he is, shining like an angel in front of the people who need to hear the truth. Stephen was ready to suffer, and he was ready to share what Christ did on the cross so that people like us today can become partakers, not just onlookers to God's glory. So I ask you guys today, do you feel the Holy Spirit flowing within you? Do you feel it so strongly that you can't resist sharing the good news? Do you share of your faith because of what he did for you? If not, you may be giving into some lies. One lie that comes to my mind is that maybe I shouldn't share Christ's goodness because I'm not a pastor. I don't have the training. I'm not qualified to be sharing the goodness of God because I haven't done enough studying. We see that Stephen had devoted himself fully to the Holy Spirit. And because devoted himself wholly to the Holy Spirit, he then was able to shine and have wisdom. The wisdom was not of Stephen. So I hope this passage encourages you that the Holy Spirit will guide you and give you the knowledge you need. If that's not enough, John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. All that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all that you need when you face trials or when you try to share Jesus with your neighbor, your friend, your family. So maybe you're believing that you're not qualified. Or maybe you're believing that you need to earn God's grace in order to share. Maybe you think that you've sinned too much. People in your life know what you've done. No chance they would ever listen. Well, I would argue that if there's a new temple, then there's a new way of worship. You don't need to go to the temple to make a sacrifice in order to share Jesus with your mom and dad. You need to go to Jesus Christ, and that is all. You need the Holy Spirit in you, and that is all. There are no add-ons. It is Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Do you feel that you're too far gone? Look at Psalm 34. Those who look to him are radiant, and his face and their faces shall never be ashamed. You too can be radiant. All you need is the Holy Spirit. So we know, church, that we are powerful with the Holy Spirit, but without the Holy Spirit, we are unqualified. So as I wrap up, like I said, I felt pretty unqualified to be here today. I felt that maybe I should be holier, but here I am. <laughs> More often than not, I felt that I was unworthy because I don't have a title. I also have felt that maybe I would never be the guy that'd be able to preach a sermon. But I have truly been inspired by Stephen that with the Holy Spirit in me, I'm capable of sharing the truth that Christ has done in my life. And I hope you guys are equally as inspired by Stephen. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you are qualified, but know that without it, you're unqualified. Let me pray. Lord, you're good. 
and you're gracious, you're all giving, and you've blessed us with the Holy Spirit. I pray that this week we would come to know you, God, if we haven't yet. I pray that your spirit would flow through believers so that we could share of your goodness. God, let us shine like angels this week, not because we are worthy, but because you have counted us worthy with the spirit. You are good, God, and we love you. Amen.